So one night, about 14 years ago, my wife and I were sitting down at a restaurant. It had been about a year or more since our kids, our twins were born, and I'd had something on my mind for a while, but I just didn't have the courage to say it. So finally sitting there with my wife as we were eating and had some time alone, I said to her, I just don't really think I'm doing a really good job with taking care of our kids. So that moment that night resonates still to this day. And I remember saying that to her and thinking, you know, what I wasn't talking about, I was learning how to change diapers and I was learning how to do the things that, you know, come with having twins. But that night I recognized that in my heart, I wasn't finding the joy, I wasn't finding the meaning that I really desired as we raised our youngest children. Hello once again, this is Jim Trader, and I hope that you're having a great week as we're uh, joining each other once again on this podcast, Living a Whole Christian Life. Much of the material from the podcast is taken from my book, Holiness, with WH, The Unified Pursuit of Health, Harmony, Happiness, and Heaven. So I began tonight with a kind of a reflection of, like I said, what was almost at this point a number of a decade and a half ago. And I recollect this idea that I had in the early years, and really that first year of raising kids, I came to recognize that in many ways, it was challenging me in an area, that area being caregiving, that was never a natural strength of mine. To give you a little history, I'm actually the oldest of all the first cousins on both sides of my family. So I grew up with nothing in front of me, no template, you know, no one that I had to live up to. I guess in many ways you would say as the oldest child, I was kind of fortunate to be able to lay a path in front of me without having to really live up to anybody else. But as our you know, twins were born, and you know, it's amazing, <laughs> all the other things that you have, I know this sounds trite, you've heard this before, but you come home with a manual when you buy something else, electronics or whatever it is. But when you walk out with twins in less than 48 hours from delivery, you realize as you get in the car, wow, we're in a whole new place. And so as the months and days that, you know, kind of transpired after that, you know, moment, and I was learning to feed in the middle of the night, I was learning how life changed. I was learning to change diapers. I saw in my wife just this amazing caregiver instinct that I recognized was not in myself. And I was being challenged in many different ways, um, but I, I struggled to acknowledge it. I was being challenged to be more flexible in the ways I went about each day. I was challenged to find joys in the midst of life when I felt you know, sleep deprived. And I, I never could have imagined being that sleep deprived as I was that first six months after the twins were born. So as the months went on, I, I felt this in my heart deeply, but my pridefulness of him being really honest wouldn't allow me to acknowledge this, wouldn't allow me to really just say to Amy, hey, I just, I don't feel like I'm doing a good job. I, you know, I kind of pride myself and have prided myself over the years on being able to do things and achieve things. And for right or wrong, I felt like, well, if you just work hard or whatever, you can figure it out. But that, that night sitting in the restaurant, I knew it was time to kind of let go of my pride. I knew it was time to just be honest with my wife and say, I don't know if I'm really doing a good job here. Maybe I'm doing the basics. Maybe I'm putting in effort, but I just don't know that I, I really don't feel like I'm finding the joy that I'm, I'm you know, allowing myself the flexibility to really assume this role as a caregiver. I think in all of us in our life, at some times, have found ourselves in a place where we know something is kind of welling up inside over time. We know that we recognize a struggle that we don't want to admit. I loved, you know, years ago, I was having a conversation with my oldest son, and I forget even what it was about, but he acknowledged as we were talking about a particular issue that he had struggled with and he had made a mistake on, he said to me, he said, I know what, I know in my heart, like I made a mistake. 
I just don't want to hear myself say it out loud. And I thought that was really wonderful that he acknowledged what we all feel, which is that sometimes letting go of that sense of pride, even our sense of being self-absorbed, we just don't want to really hear ourselves say it out loud. Leo Tolstoy once had this quote. He said, everyone thinks of changing the world, but no one thinks of changing himself. Now, I would argue that, you know, there are times where we recognize that we need to have growth, and there are times where we recognize that uh, we probably need to improve in areas. But I get what he's saying. Think about all that you read in the press at every level. I would argue that 95% of what we read has very little to do with our everyday life, but so much to do with what's wrong in the world, right? But in order to be truly who God calls us to be, we do have to be introspective. We do really need to reflect ourselves and, and learn to, you know, again, let go of that sense of pride and self-absorption to say, hey, maybe, maybe there's areas I can improve. And if I do, maybe there's great promise beyond this. So in order to do this, I really think there's five keys to letting go of the unhealthy pride that we feel, you know, that, that pride that kind of like halts our design as God would have us, but also, it also halts our ability to just improve in ways that can bring us greater peace. So the first key is just openness to where the truth may lie. You've heard me say before that just because you believe it is the truth um, or your truth doesn't really mean it is the truth, right? And I think that that was kind of the recognition that I felt like early on with our kids, I was working hard in different ways, but I was getting in the way of seeing that maybe there were things I could do to enjoy that process of raising these you know, two amazing babies. I, I just had it in my mind that there were certain ways things need to be done. So the first key of reducing or letting go of unhealthy pride is just being open to maybe your weaknesses, open to wherever that truth may lie, right? Open to being able to say that and, and just acknowledge it to other people. While I feel like that is something that's really humbling to do, I also feel like it's so kind of life-giving just to hear yourself say it out loud and let it be as it is, right? The more we acknowledge that we're just imperfect and we struggle, the more we just find it just a sense of not only clarity, but I think a sense of peace that it's okay. It's okay that we struggle for sure, right? Number two, in order to really let go of unhealthy pride, we do have to be better communicators. I think that we often are. This doesn't mean you have to be an outgoing person. This isn't the saying, oh, well, if you're not outgoing, that's not going to work. What we're talking about here is clear communication that doesn't involve blaming others. It doesn't involve kind of like calling others names or, you know, giving reasons why other people are responsible for your difficulties. Although again, sometimes there are lots of things going on in that way. This is about what we call like I versus you statements. And in essence, you know, what I said to my wife that night was, I feel maybe frustrated. I feel kind of down because I'm not sure I'm doing a good job with taking care of our kids, right? So those I statements are really great. They sound very simple in conception, but actually execution often would argue that it's so much easier to say you are a blank or you make me blank, right? But when we say to ourselves or out loud, we say, you know, I'm feeling blank, whatever that feeling is because of we're starting the process of opening ourselves to possibly new pathways. But without that, without that communication, um, it's not only difficult to open new pathways with the people around us, it's difficult to open new pathways within ourselves. So the first key to letting go of unhealthy pride is a sense of just being open to wherever the truth may lie. The second is just really communicating and really communicating from a sense of I versus those you statements. The third, I would argue, is that while openness is the opposite of pride, Curiosity, the third key, is really the antidote of pride, right? 
think about this idea. Like if we could truly be curious about all the things that are going on in our life before we get defensive, before we kind of rise up, if we really could be curious about these kinds of things, it's really hard to be prideful, right? Because you're kind of thinking to yourself, oh, you know what, maybe maybe I'm going the wrong direction. Well, actually, you know what, I would like to learn a little bit more about that. Maybe I could be a better caregiver, right? So I know that we'll never be perfectly curious. I know that we're going to always probably have a sense of self that sometimes blocks that. But think about the idea that the more curious we are, it really is the antidote of self-absorption. It really is the antidote of inflexibility that comes with pride, right? So as parents, I would argue that this is such a huge key, right? I mean, the hard thing about parenting is it is really one of the most humbling professions alive, but it also has the potential to be one of the most rewarding professions alive if we're willing to say, look, even though we've put in a lot of work, even though, I mean, how many times as a parent have you thought, I am pouring myself into this and I still feel like the outcomes aren't what I desire, right? Well, it behooves us in many ways that even at that point to say, all right, it's a lot of effort, but maybe in my curiosity, maybe there's still a better way, right? Maybe there's a better way. I remember, and this is, you know, part of my newest book, um, Confessions of a Carless Commuter. I remember after seven years of taking the same route home, I had this moment of awareness and kind of curiosity that I recognized without adding any single miles to my commute, I suddenly recognized there was a safer way to go home after exploring a couple new kind of like streets that had always been there. It, was, it wasn't anything different, but I hadn't been curious. I had locked myself into a certain way of coming home. And it took, it was years before I recognized that, wait a second, there was a better way. But curiosity is certainly required there. So beyond openness and good communication and curiosity, the fourth, which I think probably is the most difficult for all of us, is the sense of accountability, right? We as prideful people struggle to apologize and admit our mistakes. I mean, let's just, you know, that's the way. I, I, I think I admire those people the most that I've met over the years who are willing to acknowledge their mistakes. They're willing to just kind of take whatever comes with that. And they seem to kind of like have this sense of, I don't know, uh, transparency about them that many other people lack, right? As hard as it is to really apologize, and I don't just mean kind of a weak apology, I mean like really being honest about what we've done wrong and maybe why we did it and what we're going to try to do to make amends in many ways. It is one of the best ways to not only empathize with other situations, but really connect with other people, right? When's the last time, you've, if you've heard a really good apology, a really authentic apology, as angry as you might be at that person, it disarms you in some ways to know that if they're truly sorry for what they did, even if it's happened multiple times, you know what? We've all been there, right? We all, we all are like, okay, I'm still angry because I think that you could have made a better choice, but I hear that you're saying like you truly feel bad for this, right? You truly wish that you had done something different. So that sense of accountability is really um, a great way to challenge ourselves to Again, not absorb ourselves in our own reality and our own inflexibility, but to just open ourselves up to when we make mistakes. And the fifth and final one is really kind of the, I guess, the underlying frame of all these, right? We talked about openness and good communication and curiosity and accountability. But you know what? In the end of the day, letting go of our pride, again, that unhealthy hubris, 
really just requires small efforts and habit changes that can release us from the pridefulness even when we don't feel like it, right? Let's say you walk in the door, it's been a rough day, and you're kind of absorbed in that rough day. And you walk in and you see some things laying around in the house that it just really annoys you right off the bat. And you really want to kind of just unload verbally on your family, right? In whatever way. It's not to say that that house couldn't be cleaner, but you know as well as we all do, like if you're feeling that way and you unload on them, that much of what you're unloading on are about has nothing to do with the house being not maybe as clean as you want, but so much to do with what went on at work or things that you don't like or things that are just difficult for you. And a very small habit change in that way is simply maybe just saying to yourself, I'm not going to walk in the door and say something negative right away. Even if I have to force it, even if I have to do whatever it takes to, to even be pleasant in the smallest way right off the bat, I'm going to do it um, before I would ever get angry. Because, you know what, these small efforts over time, you know, sometimes you're, you know, people often say, well, if I find the motivation to do this, the reality is it's really hard to find the motivation. You know, it's just as hard to find the different kinds of emotions that we want too. But the other way around is actually way more effective, which is start with small behaviors and habit changes that work towards the kind of underlying uh, sense of change that you want. And what you find in the process is that over time, you might not just find the motivation, you might find greater love. You know, you might find greater admiration. You might find greater understanding. So really, in the end of the day, if we're serious about letting go of that unhealthy pride, if, if we, you know, the, the pride that's the root of all vices here, right? Not the good pride that we talked about before. We think about openness and communication and curiosity and accountability and those, you know, small efforts. And in the end of the day, really, the biggest two reasons I think that we're prideful is A, it saves us from embarrassment um, that none of us want, and B, it saves us from the effort required to change as we know we should, Right? I mean, how often in your own sense of just frustration have you thought, I know I really want to grow here. Like, I really desire to do better. I really desire to connect with these people that I love. But I just, it's, it seems like effort and I'm tired. You know, I'm exhausted. It's a human thing. It's a really human thing. But I'll tell you what, it's, it's amazing that when you open yourself up to something more, right? When you acknowledge this reality as it is, on the other side of this, I, I, on the other side, I really feel that there's so many greater possibilities. So, you know, it's interesting. Eight kids later after that fateful night at the restaurant, I'm still nowhere near the caregiver my wife is. And in some ways, that's okay because although my calling is to take care of my kids, it's not necessarily in the same way as my wife, um, not necessarily in the same amount of time or whatever. But what I found was that when I finally opened myself up to that reality, all those years ago, and I slowly just accepted, hey, maybe this is where I'm being challenged by God to grow, right? <laughs> the irony of having eight kids is that if you're ever challenged to be a better caregiver, it's when you see one kid after another and that house starts filling up and you feel like, okay, I guess what I perceive is a weakness, you know, as this oldest child of so many, maybe here's my opportunity. And so, you know, as the years have kind of come on, I have to tell you the story that was just a few weeks back, and I was sitting upstairs with our youngest, Kate, and Kate will turn three in July. And if you've ever met Kate before, she's this adorable, adorable little girl and these bright eyes and just the little pigtails that, you know, they kind of flop down. And, and she has got some spirit, not always, not always maybe in the plus positive way, but boy, she has got a beautiful zeal for life. 
And so I'd taken Kate up to bed and we were, we were sitting there reading a story and we just started talking about the day. And, you know, when you're talking to a two and a half year old about the day, you just never quite know what's going to come out of their mouth. But she was telling me all the things about Sam, what he was doing, some of which I understood and some of which I didn't. And she's just kind of going on and on. And I was just sitting there thinking about, you know what? What a beautiful, beautiful time I was having. It had been a long day and work, just work as a psychologist and many other things going on. It had been a kind of an exhausting day. But when I was sitting there with my daughter, there was no agenda, right? There was nothing to be done. There was nowhere to go. There was just a simple time to kind of enjoy her um, for this amazing gift that she is. And I look back all those years earlier, and I guess you could say I wish that in some ways I had um, opened myself up, you know, when our first kids were that age. But I think the great thing about life is, you know, we can't go in reverse, right? So if we have regrets or if we have things that we wish were different and we're still listening to this, which means we're still alive, you know, the time is now to just let go of that pride, to, to begin the process of letting go of ourselves and looking outward into a world where sometimes those little things that little girls say are the best part of your day. Wherever you're at today, wherever you're at tonight, I hope that you find that peace, that sense of joy that comes with letting go and just being there in the present moment. Hope everybody has a great week. This is Jim Schrader. Be holy, be whole. 